This is the Diamond Hogs Podcast with Mason Choate and Robert Stewart. Welcome to the Diamond Hogs Podcast, the number six Diamond Hogs Podcast, your favorite Razorback baseball podcast. I'm your host, Mason Choate, joined, as always, by Robert Stewart, who was he was in Baton Rouge this weekend, boots on the ground. And, uh, man, after Friday, it was great. The vibes were incredible. You know, you felt like, okay, this Arkansas team, wow, they they surprised us. And then comes Saturday, the doubleheader. And you figured out, okay, this LSU team might be the greatest college baseball team ever assembled. So uh, we got a lot to talk about with this series between Arkansas and LSU. Just a, a fun series to watch Friday. And then Saturday, it was like, uh, you know, the first inning of each of each game was incredible. You know, it was awesome. And then if you're an Arkansas fan, it went downhill real quick both times. So uh, we'll talk about all that on the Diamond Hawks podcast. But Robert, let's get to it, man. Uh, just your overall takeaways from the weekend. I mean, they 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 do things right down there in Baton Rouge. I was I was very impressed with the. Uh, set up the whole pageantry of game day game day um if you're if you're a fan of Colin Baton Rouge by Garth Brooks and you're you're in luck when you go to an LSU baseball game you're just about guaranteed to hear it twice every game um but yeah I mean you know I had once once they found a way to outduel Paul Skeens on on Friday I had talked myself into the fact that you know a doubleheader split was inevitable it's it's hard to sweep doubleheaders um, you know, go go back to go back to 2021 when Arkansas was winning every single SEC series. How many doubleheaders did they play? I mean, like at least three or four, I think. And you know, they only managed to to sweep one of those. So, um, it's it's just hard to do. But in my mind, the middle innings in the first game on Saturday changed everything. Like, feel like they had Ty Floyd on the ropes. 76 pitches through three innings, and then he needed like 32 to get the next 10 outs in order. Um, he he saved their their bullpen two innings via the run rule and, you know, probably two more because it, it felt like he really should have been gone by the fourth or fifth inning uh, in that game. But, I mean, the, the, the big thing for me is like LSU's hitting 370 against right-handed pitching going into Saturday, and – I mean, you saw why. I I really think Hunter Holland explained the situation the best. Like on Friday, he was talking about it. People just pitch scared to LSU. That's what Arkansas did all day Saturday. Hunter Holland and Hagen Smith didn't on Friday, and that's why they won. Yeah, I mean the the Hunter Holland's start was arguably the most impressive feat of the weekend of any anything Arkansas related. Uh, that or Reese Robinette's home run in the in the tenth, but. Uh, Hunter Holland impressed me very much, um, but you now have the the question, and we're going to break down each game. So, But now you have the question of, you know, what do you do with the starting rotation? Should you make changes? Should you put Hagen Smith back in the starting rotation? Start, you know, have your two lefty starters uh, and then work it out from there. Like, do you think that that is something that they should consider? Or do you Do you like how it is? I think it's something they should consider. What I I think what needs to happen is Hagen Smith has to be able to pitch at on at least one different day than Hunter Holland pitches. Like it's it's great on Friday when you can use them both. 
uh, and only use two two arms, I think that's incredibly effective. But realistically, how many times can you go 18 outs from Holland and then nine more from, from Smith and then be able to use Smith on Saturday or Sunday, right? Like they stretched him out on Friday because they knew they were playing a doubleheader Saturday. And, you know, once you get through like two or three innings, it's like, okay, well, he's not going tomorrow. So let's go ahead and get 14 outs or whatever he gave you. Um, so like, honestly, if, if they play Sunday, you know, that changes their approach on Friday. I think, I think they're, they're trying to, they're trying to save some of his arm for Sunday because you know how ineffective they were against left-handed pitchers. Now, I think this weekend they did the right thing. They needed to salvage that win. Um, because like, if you turn it over to a right-hander in that situation, you know, do you do you make it out of regulation tied one to one? Probably not. I I think I think you just you ha- you had to be happy with the win Friday, and you know you, let let's reevaluate the pitching situation when they're not playing uh, the team of the highest caliber. Also, for there's uh, I saw a lot of comments on social media, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, even of you know like what was arkansas doing lsu can't hit lefties like why are they just throwing uh and this was for, in in regards to saturday like lsu can't hit lefties so why are they starting a guy in adcock on and on the third game who else are you gonna throw like you saw what zach morris gave you and no offense whatsoever to zach morris but he's not the zach morris that you saw in the postseason last year we've we've come to that conclusion like that that is just a fact now um, as much as, you know, he, he wants to say that, you know, he, he feels like he's gotten better, which he has compared to the beginning of the season. He's not going to be your starter. Uh, and he showed you that. I mean, he did. And so who else, who else are you going to start? Arkansas, Arkansas is hurt. They have their two lefties in Holland and Smith. But other than that, your, your lefties are going to be guys who are just inexperienced uh, aside from Zach Morris, who isn't giving you what you need from him. Right. Right. I mean, we, we've seen Morris start one game this year and it went south very quickly. I mean, your your two other left-handed options are Parker Coyle, who, by the way, everybody on the message board apparently wanted to see, and, and Sean Fitzpatrick, both of whom have never pitched in an SEC game before. And you're telling me you're just going to throw them out there in a rubber match on Saturday night on the road against the number one team in the country? Like, come on, let's let's be serious about this one. Also, like to say LSU can't hit lefties, like maybe they're, you know, less efficient against lefties. I don't know their splits. Uh, but here's the thing Hunter Holland, a really good pitcher. He's gonna be a high draft pick. We knew that coming into the season. Hagan Smith, a really good pitcher, a preseason all American. He's gonna be a high draft pick. We knew that coming into the season. We knew that coming into last season. So it's like to say that, you know, LSU can't hit lefties, that's almost, you know, kind of uh, downplaying what Hunter Holland and Hagen Smith did. Like what Hunter Holland did was nothing short of incredible against that LSU lineup. And that was, that was on him. That wasn't the fact that LSU can't hit lefties. I don't care what you say. Dylan Cruz can hit anybody. Tommy White can hit anybody. That whole LSU team can hit anybody. And, and Hunter Holland did it. He dueled against Paul Skeens, the best pitcher in America and Arkansas came out with the win, right? Like, so let's not sit here and say that 
LSU can't hit lefties. That's why Arkansas won. That's why Arkansas lost on Saturday because they don't they didn't throw lefties. No, LSU's the best team in the country, and Hunter Holland just outpitched them. You know, like he he got the job done. LSU's the best team in the country by a wide margin. It's really not close. And you know, people people in the in the press box at Alex at Alex Bach were picking up on this too. Like the it's not the what LSU did Saturday in that doubleheader was less an indictment of Arkansas's right-handed pitching. It was it was more a testament to what Smith and Holland did on on Friday because, like you said, nothing short of incredible. That was that was just an an all-out pitcher's duel. I mean, we haven't even talked about what Paul Skeens has done on the field yet. That dude struck out like what fifteen batters. Twelve. I have it here. Twelve. Okay, yeah. the the LSU struck out fifteen on the day, but um, I mean, Paul Skeens was just electrifying for seven innings, man, and yet he had a no decision because he was on the hook for the loss until the eighth inning, yeah. um, and and you know Hunter Holland and Hagen Smith combined for ten innings of three run ball, which I I feel like that's that's tough to say because the 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 two run home run in the bottom of the tenth hardly mattered, um. That that was that was an incredible job by Arkansas's two lefties. Yeah, so let's just you know we've we've kind of danced around what happened on Friday, but you know it was a pitcher's duel for a while there, and Arkansas got a run in the fourth against Paul Skeens. Uh, I it was that that was the inning where he had some walks, right? No, uh, Tavian Josenberger doing uh-huh. his thing, getting on base with the leadoff double. Right, that was but to 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 get the run against Paul Skeens. So Josenberger double and then he comes home on a Stovall sack fly, right? Yeah, took third on a wild pitch and Stovall drove him in the sack fly. Right. So that was huge for Arkansas to get a run against Skeens. And then, you know, the pitching kept going. Holland goes five and a third. Then you bring in Hagen Smith there in the sixth. And uh, you know, he gets the job done, gives up a run in the eighth. So that was unfortunate. Um, in the bottom of the eighth, that tied the game. So you at, at that point, you know, you're like, it's going to be tough for Arkansas because by that point, Skeens would Skeens was out of the game. By the way, Skeens, I I heard that he he averaged on his fastball like 99.1 miles an hour. That was the average on his fastball. Uh, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. It was it was definitely north of 100 for the first probably two innings, um, but but the only only. To have the average fall to ninety nine one, absurd. And and then his slider was like ninety one, and it was just it was disgusting. And not only was he just like throwing gas on the fastball, like and th- this is something that was brought up. I don't remember who said it, but like he doesn't just throw gas; he throws gas and he locates. Like he's getting the pitch wherever he wants, and he's also throwing at hundred miles an hour. So it's it's extremely impressive what Paul Skeens does. I mean, like he's probably going to win the Golden Spikes Award. This dude's averaging double digit strikeouts per outing. It's just I mean, it's him or Dylan Cruz. Yeah, it's it's going to be an LSU Tiger um, it, until Will McIntyre, you know, does his thing and and the script, you know, tells the story. But uh, no, the the Skeens thing that that one thing about Skeens though, he entered the game having four walks on the season and he had three walks in the game. So. That was uh that was good for Arkansas to you know work the counts and and get him uh you know off his toes a little bit. One one of the things that really would have come back to to bite Arkansas had they lost that game, 
is the fact that they didn't punish him for those three walks in the sixth inning. The 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 left on the runners left on base became a huge story on Saturday. So it's it's a good thing that they were able to pull the the one win out on Friday because that would have been that would have been tough to stomach if you lose. Yeah, and leave all those runners on base. Uh, one of the tough another tough thing was like Skeen. So Skeen doesn't come out for the eighth. He just goes seven, and they bring in Chase Shores, who just also throws a hundred miles an hour. You know, it was like you're gonna go from this big tall righty, uh, to this big tall righty, and they both throw a hundred miles an hour. Like, are you kidding me? It's not. Yeah, there was fair. One hit, uh, in seven batters between innings eight and nine for for Arkansas. Like, it 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 was a good thing that you know I, I mentioned the Arkansas left the bases loaded. So did so did LSU after that game tying home run in the eighth. So, you know, Hagen Smith doing a good job of damage control there. Yeah. So then you you go to the tenth and the top of the tenth, Kendall Diggs lead off walk. LSU takes out uh Shores and they go to Little, Christian Little, who is the, the transfer from Vandy, right? Yeah. Uh and then let's see, you got a Cole ground out, Diggs advances to second, Roland walks, and then you have a mound visit, and then you have Reese Robinette, big country, come in to or, or or Scotty H as you like to call him. Scotty H. Picking machine. Uh it was just incredible, dude. Robinette comes in. What was it? Second pitch? He watches the first and then the second. He drives to left center. Oh my goodness. 421 feet the other way. What? Here's here's a story for everybody. And this 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 plays out perfectly because um it's just it's just so funny. So last week, Reese Robinette's grandfather sends me a text. And he's like, hey, do you think that Reese is going to make the travel roster for for the Baton Rouge series? And I texted him back, and I was like, I really don't know. Like, I started crunching the numbers. You think, you know, half pitchers, half position players, because they can only travel 27 guys. Uh, so, you know, you were doing the math. I was doing the math, and it's like, okay, if if Reese goes, he's going to be like the last position player on the list, right? There's there there were just so many guys that felt like they were ahead of him because they they played ahead of him against Auburn last weekend, the previous weekend, and I told him I was like I don't know, probably not, but it's you know don't rule anything out, anything can happen. Sure enough, Reese Robinette, not only does he make the travel roster, he comes up with the biggest hit of the weekend for Arkansas, uh, hits the hits the three run bomb, puts the Hogs up four to one. And then you have a Kendall Diggs granny just to add, add a little bit, a lot of bit of insurance there. That And so Arkansas goes up nine to one and uh, all Hagan Smith had to do was, you know, get the job done. And, you know, he gave up, he gave up two runs, but uh, you know, the game was out of hand at that point. I mean, it, it makes the Kendall Diggs grand slam look even bigger, honestly. Like yeah. if, if, if they, if they give up a three run shot and that's it, um, and then and then get two right back with a Dylan Cruz home run. That uh, that place is jumping. So tell me, you were there. What was the atmosphere like with the start? What was the atmosphere like with the Robinette home run and then the Diggs home run? I mean, uh, it it was it was pretty quiet. Like there were there were a select few Arkansas fans, and they were way way down in the left field corner. Um, I mean, it was. It was overwhelmingly purple and gold, and and you couldn't you couldn't hear much at all. 
not not even really from the third base dugout. I feel like I feel like I mean you heard uh Dave Van Horn talking about it after after the game on Friday. He was like, you know, we, we weren't we weren't really celebrating. We knew it was just another game for us to win. And so, you know, they they acted like they had been there before. And like you said, the vibes Friday, they're they were very good. Fifteen straight wins. Yeah, no, you. I mean, you just took down the number one team in the nation. You, you've won fifteen straight. You're feeling great, man. Uh, All you, you gotta knew, do is split tomorrow. Yeah, that was the thing. But you knew, you knew it was gonna be really tough. A doubleheader against LSU, uh, and it was really tough. You get run ruled in the first game. Um, I mean, the thing is, is like how much, how much can we really talk about other than like the glaring, uh, a few glaring issues from those two games? Because it's just like it was just. Yeah, uh, uh, Jared Wagner first inning home runs and then LSU domination. That's really what it was. Yeah, I mean, Ty Floyd, like, like I said earlier, seventy six pitches through three innings. Like, there were weaknesses in his game. He hit a couple batters after that home run, um, so that's two free passes that didn't come around to score. Uh, Hudson Polk was given an infield single. I don't know about that. Um. There, there were some scoring decisions that I, I was. There, there were some scoring decisions that uh went it it went with what I said in the the series preview of LSU is just an awful university. They just make awful decisions and they're just very uh bad people. And the scoring decisions displayed that. And one thing is, is like there was so I think it was the first inning. Uh, it was. Who? What happened? Josenberg, Josenberg reached on a fielding error, which should have been a hit. That looked like a hit. I was gonna. I was just gonna say, like the three hits for Arkansas. I think that number is accurate. I just think the the first one belongs to uh to to Josenberger Jos- and not Hudson Polk. The Hudson Polk one was not a hit. Uh, but the thing is, is like it's just one of those things where LSU is trying to salvage their you know nation leading fielding percentage. But it's like, okay, if you're going to give Hudson Polk a hit, why don't you give Josenberger a hit? Because it was more of a hit than the Polk one. It just it, it didn't make sense. Makeup call. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, I mean, like, go ahead. <laughs> um, But, yeah, it, it was it was Arkansas not capitalizing on free passes. Like I said, the two hit batsmen in the first, uh, leadoff single turns into nothing in, in the second. And then hit batter, walk, walk. They've got the bases loaded with – two outs in the third and Hudson Polk at the plate. Like if you're LSU, that's really, that's exactly what you want. Um, and, and Floyd was able to get out of it. And then he gets six straight in, in innings four through five leadoff single for Kendall Diggs in the sixth Hudson Polk double play. And he's faced the minimum over the last three innings. Like it, it all just happens so fast. And like that, you know, once once that sixth inning was over, it's like, well, I it really feels like the window to to take one of these games is just gone because at the same time, LSU had hung four on McIntyre in the second, one in the third, tagged him for two more on his way out in the fifth, and then five against the bullpen. Like I say, against the bullpen, it was all, all five of those runs were charged to Austin Ledbetter. Tough day for the Bryant boys on the mound. Um, yeah, Brian Arkansas giving up twelve earned runs on on. Oh man, it's tough. But, like for the for the people for the Arkansas fans listening to this, like it's tough that your guys gave up twelve earned runs. 
But I got to say, it couldn't happen to a worse high school. Like, I, to be quite honest with you, <laughs> if there was any high school to have their players give up 12 earned runs on the weekend, I'm not upset that it's Bryant. Like, you know, even if it was North Little Rock, I would have been like, man, that's unfortunate. But <laughs> and and that's coming from someone who has declared Will McIntyre as the 2023 Golden Spikes Award winner and Austin Ledbetter as the 2024 Golden Spikes Award winner. Which, by the way, we might. I think I've already mentioned this. We might have to walk back the Ledbetter thing. I think I think that was very premature. Well, I think there's there's still time in that script, but uh, Will McIntyre probably has to not give up another run this year. Will McIntyre is going to have to turn into Paul Skeens for the rest of the year. And yeah. then some, and then some. Yeah. Um, the something I wanted to mention, and it's it's now slipping my mind. Um, oh, Ty Floyd, you were talking about Ty Floyd and how he kept getting out of innings. Uh, I I put this on our message board. If you would have told me in the third inning that Ty Floyd would have been thrown in the sixth, I would have called you a liar. He was at like seventy five pitches with like one out in the third. It was it was just crazy. Yeah, I mean, six the, – the Hawks left six runners on base during the game. All six came in the first three innings. They got they got one base runner innings four through seven, and he was erased on a double play. Like, I I don't know. For, for a team that was having so much success against this guy, like just putting pressure on him to, to just totally disappear after going down 5-2, it, it just seemed very uncharacteristic of them. Yeah, it it was just, you know, you talked about it in the sixth where it was like, okay, there's no way that, you know, Arkansas is going to win this game. You know, I that's kind of how I felt. I, I told people, I was like, all right, let's, let's, let's pack it up. Everybody get your midday nap. Let's, you know, hang out with the family for a little bit and we'll come back at 630 and try to try to get the series. And that's what it felt like, you know, this game after the sixth, once Arkansas went down by so much, it was like, okay, this game's. You know, it, let's just scrap this one. They brought in Gage Wood, you know, there at the end. Uh, it was just like, let's just call this one, call this one a day, you know. Yeah. It was tough. Not, okay. not much more to say about it. Nope. And then, so, game three, Cody Adcock gets the start again. I think that we all expected that. Um, You know, we talked about it earlier. I just feel like. It, it it seemed like a perfect recipe last weekend against Auburn because Adcock threw six scoreless. Like if Adcock goes out against Auburn and, you know, throws two and a third, gives up four and runs on three hits like he did against LSU, then we're probably not talking about how it was a perfect, you know, a perfect game plan from Dave Van Horn. Now it feels like, why don't you just throw your three best guys? And and you mentioned it earlier. You probably don't want to throw Hagen Smith and Hunter Holland on the same day. Yeah, you got the win against LSU. That was huge. You get a win over the number one team in the nation. Great. But now you've exhausted your two best arms for the weekend. They're done. And if you want to have Hagen Smith in that wild card role, it's unfortunate that you used him on the same day that you used Holland, and now you can't use him for the rest of the weekend. And you're you're kind of setting yourself at a disadvantage, especially in games like Saturday, right? Yeah. Um, I, I would say like I don't know. I don't know where I was gonna take that. I, I had it and I lost it. Um, I feel like I feel like we asked 
was the question asked to Dave Van Horn on Saturday about the starting rotation? I feel like he was asked about it, and he said something. I can't remember, though. He got asked about Ben Bybee being a weekend starter. Yeah, that was weird. Um, pitchers not executing, no. No, there's nothing asked about the rotation. I thought there was. But we'll and we'll get we'll get to another question asked about a position of of question. But I, I think I, I think I remember what I was gonna say here. Uh bottom line is I think Arkansas is going to be able to score enough runs moving forward. Like Friday's Friday against LSU was a different situation because you're pitching or you're you're playing against Paul Skeens. And so you're lucky to scratch out the one run, right? Um I I think, you know, like Alabama's Friday starter. I haven't I haven't done research on the Crimson Tide yet, but Alabama's gonna be in town next week. And like we we all know that Arkansas has this this knack for, you know, scoring at least four runs in an inning. Like it, by the time Hunter Holland leaves the game on Friday, the Hawks could easily be winning by five, six, seven runs. And so you know, I know Dave Van Horn likes to play the whole no lead is safe card. Like, let's go ahead and use Hagen Smith and lock down the win. I get that. But, like, I feel like you could save him for Sunday if you really wanted to. Yeah. Or, I mean, like, even if even if you do throw him on Friday, like, just don't throw him four and two-thirds, right? Like, Correct. They, like at that, would, at that would... point, they didn't have a choice. Like, it's like – you mentioned it. He's not throwing on Saturday. Let's just take him as long as we can, right? Yes, I I think I think future Fridays he's not going to be asked to throw more than three innings. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean the the second game on Sunday, the third game of the series. You know, Tommy White, Tommy Tank showed up, had a three run bomb and a grand slam. That was just, I mean, they had six runs in the bottom of the fourth, four in the bottom of the sixth. But it was another one of those things where in the first, you know, Jared Wagner home run, and you're like, all right, here we go. But I, it just, it got out of hand real quick right after LSU tied it in the bottom of the first. Well, uh, not even because, like, it was four to four after three. And I don't know, like, it just – it again, inability to capitalize on free passes. Like there was the there was a two out Wagner home run. Slavin's doubled, three straight walks, one of which was uh, uh an RBI walk by Caleb Cali. Shout out to Caleb Cali for returning to the lineup. Definitely want to talk about him after we get through this. But um, two more two more walks with two outs in the in the second, no runs, um, with Brady Slavin's at the plate. So that was. That was tough to see. Um, I mean, the Caleb Cali two run double in in the in the third inning. They're up four to two, and like I don't know, Cody Adcock just I I don't know if he was quite as bad as Dave Van Horn made him out to be, but like losing Trey Morgan up one and two in the count and walking him in front of Dylan Cruz that was that was a fatal error. But at the same time, and I'm really angry that I didn't get to ask this question because I was feet away from Dave Van Horn. Why on earth was Arkansas pitching to Dylan Cruz during game three? Yeah. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. I I, I mean, the dude's hitting like almost 600 on the year. And we're... 538 is his average, I think. 
we're two weekends into SEC play. How many homer? He had three homers on the weekend. Yeah, I think he's up to nine on the year. It's just, it's wild. He, he's, he. You, you, we talked about Paul Skeens being the best, like pitcher, college pitcher we've ever. I mean, actually, let's let's not be quick to forget Kevin Cobbs. Kevin Cobbs was a way different pitcher, though. Way different. Like Paul yeah. Skeens is just raw talent. I mean, he's just incredible. It's just it's two different guys. Kevin Copps um was incredibly effective at what he did. And I don't want to take anything away from him because I lived the 2021 season and I, you know, found myself just chuckling at the things that he did during that year. But Paul Skeens is going to be a Cy Young winner in the big in the big leagues one day. Like this this dude is awesome on every level of the word. Um where where were we before that? Um oh we were talking about Dylan Curry and how they walked him. Yeah. That was crazy. Um yeah, I don't know. And then Adcock gets pulled, Zach Morris gives up an inherited run. All of a sudden we got a tie game once again. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean I'm looking at the Arkansas scorebook here. Two more walks in the later innings that didn't score. Like they just I don't know. And I wrote about this on the takeaway story on hogbeat.com, but like it just they they didn't have the runners in scoring position like all all the situational hitting metrics, you know, uh, runners on third, less than two out, bases loaded. Arkansas loaded the bases three times uh, during the two games on Saturday. Didn't get a hit. Um, it, they just it, it felt like they they uh, they they lost their touch. Um, and you know, I I feel like I don't have a great feel for how good the rest of the LSU arms were considering, you know, all the focus was on Paul Skeens and like, you know, Arkansas was still hanging some runs on him, but just not nearly enough. Yeah. I thought Garrett Edwards and Chase Shores were really good. Um, We talked about Ty Floyd for him to, you know, extend the way he did. That was big time for LSU, but uh, yeah, the, the whole Paul Skeens thing, man, Dave Van Horn said, Here's here's another Dave Van Horn statement that you know people are taking out of context. I just I don't get it, but he he said that Paul Skeens is the best arm he's ever seen on this level, and then he had to clarify himself that he said I said he had the best arm. I didn't say he was the best pitcher I've ever seen. Um, so it's just I and I saw I saw a comment on uh, on Twitter uh, earlier this morning that said. Dave Van Horn literally said, "This is the best pitching staff he's ever had." How how long are we gonna have to keep saying that's not what he said? He did not say that. He said, "As far as depth goes, it's the best I've ever had." And now that is no longer true, and it is not his fault. It's because of injuries. That's another thing to talk about. Now that you have all the people who are who are gone are done with basketball and they're transitioning over to baseball and they're saying, we just don't have the pitching. We don't have the arms. Uh, you know, a disappointing series at LSU. Shut up. This team is without its ace. It's without its bullpen ace. It's without its closer. And they just took a game. By the way, they stole a game in game one against LSU. If you call me stupid for saying they stole that game with Paul Skeens on the mound against the number one team in the country, 
That is a stolen game. I do not care that they scored six runs in the top of the 10th. They stole that game. That is not saying, huh? Eight runs in the top of the 10th. Eight runs in the top of the 10th. That does not mean that they didn't deserve to win that game. They didn't earn that win. It means that they stole it because nobody expected them to win it. That's, I mean, just like, how deep breaths. <laughs> I'm not going to be the one to call someone else stupid, but don't call me stupid for saying they stole that game because that is 100% true. It is It is honestly remarkable the way the hate, the haters came out of the woodwork during during the doubleheader on Saturday. Like It's it, not remarkable, Robert. You know Razorback Twitter. You know these stupid Razorback fans. If social media – like imagine the Razorback fans like back in 1994 when when the call when the when the basketball team won the national championship. If they had Twitter back then, you would probably still see the same exact stuff that you see on Twitter now talking about how oh Nolan can't coach this team. He's not he's not putting the right guys in. Like this this is just Nolan it's not working. He's just not the guy. Like you would still see all that same crap. It's just now that people have a voice and they can hide behind a keyboard, they're able to say whatever they want, and it's just a bunch of stupid people. Yeah, I mean, fifteen straight wins. You you take one against against the number one team in the country Friday, and then you know the the number one team in the country shows why it is on Saturday, and uh, suddenly it's like the world's melting down. It's like no. It's just a couple of losses. If if we learned anything from the 2022 Diamond Hogs, it is that you can lose pretty much as many games as you want and then start playing good baseball in May. Yep. And you'll be okay. And here's another thing. You're not going to see a better team than that all year long. There is no team in America better than LSU. That is the best team you will play all season long. Will you play a team that's hot at the right time? Probably. You might run into a team like that. You might run into an NC State at some point. Uh, but you are not going to play a team better than that. That is the best team in all of America. That That is absolutely correct. And the bottom line is, like, to get that out of the way in week two of league play, like, you got eight weeks left. And how how much bigger does that sweep over Auburn look right now? Because you're you're tied with the number one number one team in the country for – the division lead right now. That's that's critically important. All right, let's transition into some other uh, takeaways and, and storylines from the weekend. I think we should start with the left side of the infield because the John Bolton experience, um, you know, it's, it's run its course, I feel like. And we talked about this preseason, maybe not on air, on the podcast, but we we've talked about it together of like, you know, John Bolton is going to be the day one starter and he's going to do his job. You know, he's going to limit the mistakes. He's not going to blow you away at the plate, but he's just going to, you know, be fairly consistent. And we've seen that. And I feel like it's run its course. And I think now we're at the point where that experiment is done. And I think Dave Van Horn was very frustrated after Saturday, and he he said it right. Let me let me pull up the the exact quote because I don't want to misquote Dave Van Horn. I think too many people do that. I shouldn't add to that. Yeah, he was asked like, how do you how do you evaluate the left side of your infield? Because the 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 desired result was like, hey, 
or the desired answer to that question was, hey, we need to see Caleb Cali and and Harold Cole. Here we go. Uh, what is it like at third base and shortstop? He said it's day to day. I mean, shortstop position has been pretty good with Bolton out there. Now he hadn't hit worth a darn lately, honestly. Been a little disappointing. Third base, just trying to get somebody to play defense and swing the bat a little bit. It's been up and down. We're kind of waiting on somebody to take control of that position. So that's where you're at. I I I think, let's just go ahead and say it, like Harold Cole at shortstop, Caleb Cowley at third. Problem solved, right? Or I would think so. Or you move Brady Slavens to third, Reese Robinette at first. I, I don't like that. I, Caleb Callie, his bat needs to be in the lineup. I agree. I 100% agree. It's just the Reese Robinette home run is playing in my mind. You know, I put it to the Moneyball soundtrack when Hatterberg hits the home run, and I'm just like, Reese Robinette is the greatest hitter in the history of baseball. I, I get it. I get it. And, you know, Dave Van Horn was like, you know, he's, he's the first left-handed hitter off the bench. Um, but yeah, the, this, we can tie this back to John Bolton because he pinch hit for him twice during the series. Um, you, I always knew that, that offense was not going to be a strong suit. Like if you're going to play shortstop for Dave Van Horn, you've got to be able to play defense. So the offensive numbers, like they're bad, right? He's what two for 16 in conference play. He struck out nine times, nine times, um, Harold Cole in league play has has started, I think, maybe five games now. Is that true? I... Okay. Yeah, that's true. Okay. He's he's two for eighteen. So he's it's not like Cole is like immensely better against SEC pitching. In fact, his average is worse. Um, I, I feel like that's something that we should throw out there. But again, defense is the key here. Um, and we're starting to see that slip, I think, with Bolton. A lot of people like to use the fact that he leads the team in errors as a gotcha thing. Like, I just feel like that's going to happen with any shortstop on any team. I think if if you're going to try to, you know, go at John Bolton, then fielding percentage is the metric you need to use, and it's dropped below 950. So that's yeah. that's maybe a little alarming and you know i don't know how much harold i don't know how much better harold cole is going to be in the field i don't know if he's going to be better at all but if if you want to have hope at more offensive production i think harold cole is the way yeah no i was going to say like the the thing with bolton is not i don't think it has really much to do with defense at all like we know that john bolton is a very serviceable shortstop and when you're playing shortstop, you're going to make errors. That's just how it goes. Casey Martin was Arkansas's shortstop, starting shortstop in, what, 2020? And, I mean, he's the worst shortstop they've had in a while. He was not He was not that great at shortstop. We can all admit that. Uh, but he played there. And, and I mean, you, there were a lot of haters for Casey Martin in 2020, to be quite honest. But uh, let's let's keep talking about John Bolton, though. The thing with John Bolton, it doesn't really have to do much with his fielding. It's like the guy has nine strikeouts in SEC play. It feels like he goes up to the plate, and it's almost a guaranteed out at this point. And, I mean, that's that's kind of what you saw from uh, our guy, Zach Gregory, in the postseason. Like, nobody expected any free, anything from Zach Gregory when he went up to the plate in the postseason last year. That's just what it was. He was just on a very, very uh, cold streak. And I think you're seeing that from John Bolton now. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. 
it's it's not that John Bolton isn't capable. I think he's very capable, but I I just think you you, you need to change something up. And I think that you know based on what David Horn said on Saturday, we'll probably see something change on Tuesday. I certainly on Tuesday. It'll be interesting to see what happens over the weekend against Alabama. Uh, I mean, Harold Cole like. I feel like he just doesn't get balls to fall. It it seems that he hits them hard, and and this is something that I've been picking up on since the fall. I don't know what it is, but I don't know. At least I tell you what, Harold Cole has certainly had more success at the plate in uh, in midweek games and non um, non SEC games. If I can pull up the March stats here, there is a noticeable difference. I want to say that the RBI difference was eleven to three in favor of uh, what yeah. was his name? Cole has, Cole has eleven. Bolton has three. Dang. Cole's hitting two fifty. Bolton's hitting one forty this month. Does Bolton really have ten walks in the month of March? Yeah, but he has seventeen strikeouts. He but he has nine of those ten walks have not come in an SEC game. Correct. That's crazy. Yeah, 17 strikeouts compared to six from Cole. Jeez, man. And Bolton's got 43 at-bats to Cole's 36. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. I mean, Uh, neither of them has a particularly compelling OBP. Bolton leads that category at 333. But Bolton's slugging 163, and Harold Cole is slugging 444. So you're talking a sub-500 OPS this month. For John Bolton, yeah, that that just doesn't work. Yeah, so I I I think that's all we really have to that conversation. You know, it's just they're still figuring it out, and that's fine. We'll see how it goes. What else we want to talk about? What and I I wrote this in my story this morning, but what should not keep happening is Harold Cole playing third base. I I I don't I don't have any problem with Harold Cole playing. He shouldn't play third base because Caleb Callie's got to play third base. We we have to stop pretending like his his slump to start the year is is telling of who he is as a hitter. You and I both saw it in the fall, in the winter. Caleb Callie is one of the best hitters we've ever seen. It the most pure hitter Kendall Diggs has ever seen. I mean, like, hyperbole or not, he has to play. He's yeah. hitting three hundred this month. His OPS is nine ninety nine this month. Yes, it's a smaller sample size than everybody else, but he's got 30 at-bats. He's got nine hits and 30 at-bats. Like, why doesn't he play more? Yeah, I don't know. He hasn't been the greatest defensive third baseman. I will will give Dave Van Horn that. I know he likes defense, and I know that that's a problem. And that's why I was saying, you know, maybe – I said throughout the offseason, maybe he's better suited for the DH role. But after seeing Kendall Diggs play the corner outfield – I don't think Kendall Diggs should probably play the infield either. I don't know. No, Kendall Diggs is your DH. Um, yeah, that's tough. I mean, I, I as as I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, the the simple solution is just Cole at short, Callie at third. There you go. I I certainly think so. I the the sequence in which he got this double on Saturday. It was a two zero count. He gets a hold of. One pitch, 109 mile an hour foul ball. Gets a hold of another pitch, 101 mile an hour foul ball. Even closer to fair territory. Third pitch, 
110 to the left center field gap, drives in two. He's, he sees the ball so well. He he slumped. He went 0 for 10 in February. That's okay. It you That's when you want to see a slump. You don't want to see a slump right now, and he's not slumping right now. I could tell that the slump was coming because the weekend before the season started, he had a less good weekend than he normally has. It carried over into the regular season. March started. He went yard against Illinois State. He's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm cool with it, man. Like I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. I think that. I think you're right. I think you're right. I and honestly, I'm I I think that there's only so much that we can talk about this, and it's less of like here's what has to happen, and more of like let's just see it, you know. That's how baseball goes. You know, you can talk about stuff so much. You can talk about how this guy needs to do that. And they need to play this guy here. But realistically, we're not Dave Van Horn. We don't, you know, we don't see the advanced analytics and, you know, stuff that they're seeing. And there, there's no way that they're going to put a guy in a spot that's going to put the team in the disadvantage. So it's like all those people who say, like, why is DVH doing this? Why are they doing that? It's like probably because that's what is the best decision. So and he's made it to Omaha seven times. So like he he yeah. he probably knows what he's doing. We'll we'll give him the benefit of the doubt after this much time. Yeah. So that's that's where we're at. But I do think that it is time that Caleb Cowley, you know, it becomes a like regular starter, right? Like he, yes. he I think that you mentioned it, the bat is the bat it tells you the whole story, and he's a serviceable third baseman. Like give me an error a weekend. For Caleb Cowley's bat, I'll take that. You know, and and this is this is another thing that that I feel like it's incredibly important to have him in the seven hole too. Um, I, you can you can read all of this. You know, I'm basically just recapping my story on hobby.com. But um, Jace Borfin and Kendall Diggs in, in the five and six holes, they do an incredible job of getting on base. I don't know where my percentages have gone here on this spreadsheet. Here they are. Okay. Kendall Diggs, OBP on the year, 484. Jace Borfin, 551. You put those together, they're getting on base combined about 52% of the time. There has to be somebody down there that can drive them in. And Caleb Cowley is that guy. Caleb Cowley is that guy. Um, so if you take Bolton out, what do you do with the nine hole? Cole. You put Cole. Or in maybe the catcher. Maybe the catcher. By the way, this whole catcher experiment, and we we gotta wrap it up soon. This whole catcher experiment, it's Parker Rowan. It's not Hudson Polk. We came into the season thinking it's Hudson Polk, like we were like, you know, this is the guy. Dave Van Horn has made it clear that he's gonna play both catchers like that. You know, it it's it I it's not a competition. That's the thing is it's not a competition. But Parker Rowan has proved that he is. I I don't know if I would go as far to say significantly better, but he is. He is the better of the two, but it's still not that great compared to what you've had. And no, no offense to either guy. Like it's hard to live up to, uh, you know, Grant Cook, Casey Opitz, Michael Turner. Like those are three really good catchers. Uh, all three, you know, played at some level of minor league baseball. Might play professional. We don't know. It's hard to live up to that, you know. And it's hard it to be is. an Arkansas fan and to go from those guys to, you know, you've, you're going back and forth between two catchers who are really underperforming. It is. Um, 
Yeah, like you said, Roland is not significantly better than Polk, or at least that's not what the numbers indicate. I mean, Parker Roland is is hitting the better of the two catchers, and he's barely over 200 with his average right now. He did um, have that back pick, though. That was sick. He did have that back pick. That was that was critical. The the defense on Friday was awesome. Between you know getting and not only did he have the back pick, but he he calmly, coolly, and collected collected the wild pitch and got it back to Hunter Holland. Tag Trey Morgan out of the plate. I mean those those were two critical base running errors on on LSU's part that that helped allow Arkansas to. To win that game, Trey Morgan was being a dummy. Why did he wait so long? Because the the previous the previous pitch it, it was either like the previous pitch or the pitch before that. Morgan had thought that I, I it was I think it was a foul, and he had like gone down the line and then saw it was foul, and he like fell down, and he was just like you know itching to get home, and as soon as he saw a ball get by, he was just like whatever I'm going. But I mean, unfortunate for them. Uh, so yeah, let's go weekend MVPs, Robert. Let's get to it. Weekend MVPs, huh? My weekend MVP oh. on the mound, Hunter Holland. Give me Hunter Holland. The Friday, yeah, I mean, like you, you did no explanation. Incredible. Yeah. Um. I mean, by that token, I guess I gotta go with Hagen Smith, right? Yeah. If 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 we're if we're naming two guys, those were easily the most impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, he he comes in, he strikes out Dylan Cruz and Tommy White with the uh, with the tying run on first base. That was uh, certainly nothing to sneeze at. Um, and then you know held it down. Pressure got really really high there in the eighth. Solo home runs won't kill you. Um, you know, issuing walks to load the bases might, but he didn't he didn't. He didn't let he didn't let it kill him. So yeah. good for him. Uh, kept Arkansas in the game long enough for them to put eight runs up in the tenth. And so there you go, Hagen Smith. I wanna I wanna give an honorable mention to the the freshman who pitched Saturday night. However, uh, Ben Bybee and Christian Fouch combining for three innings of scoreless ball. That was that was uh, that was honorable. There you go. My MVP at the plate. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Reese Robinette. Big country. He had the biggest hit of the weekend, three-run bomb on Friday. Uh, and then he also, his only other at-bat of the weekend was an RBI ground out, right? Yeah. So four RBIs and two at-bats for Reese Robinette. Pretty impressive, you know. I mean, only two at-bats, but he did exactly what he needed to do both times. Reese Robinette, you're my MVP. Uh, that'll play. I'll, I'll buy that. Um. I feel like I'd be silly not to pick Jared Wagner here, uh, with with the two two dingers slugged a thousand on the weekend, fifteen thirty eight OPS three for nine, two taters three walks two strikeouts. You always love uh, a ratio that is heavier on walks. Uh, good for Jared Wagner. I also want to shout out Chase Borfin with with an honorable mention. Uh, seems like he sort of slumped against Auburn. Uh, he uh, had a had a six fifteen OBP over the weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, he didn't – what, he only hit 375. I say only hit 375. He's three for eight. But uh, walked three times, got hit by two pitches. So, like I said, somebody got to be able to drive him in because he's getting on base. Yeah, another honorable mention has to go to Kendall Diggs for that grand slam. That was sick. Yeah. 
Um, all right, man. Uh, let's wrap it up. Tuesday, Arkansas versus Omaha. It's going to be fun, I guess. I hope we get another a fun lineup. Yeah, 6 p.m., not 3 p.m. Yeah, 6 p.m. We'll talk to everybody on Friday. You've been listening to the Diamond Hogs podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Chote Mason and at DRStew32.